0: Hey Tidbitters, welcome and a really big thanks for joining us. Today we have two fine tunes from Kevin McLeod. You know that Kevin, he always has something special for us. We have one bit about how to become a fully qualified jerk. No, not really. More to the point, we have a special piece on how to avoid being perceived as a jerk. And I think that's something that is helpful for all of us. In addition, we have a piece on children and leadership. What is it that causes some children to become leaders and most others to not become leaders? I think there is a little secret there that probably we all know, but sometimes don't bring front and center so we think about it as we deal with the children in our lives. So, with that preface, here we go. And as always, be well, do well, and always make a difference to people who make a difference to you.
1: I found myself musing the other day about what it would take to be a fully qualified jerk, FQJ. This musing was prompted by what struck me as an odd comment. The person I was talking with, call him Harold, was upset with someone else, call him Joe. Harold said, Joe is turning into a real jerk. This got me to musing. Apparently, Joe isn't a real jerk yet but is progressing in that direction. The what why of turning into a real jerk is not clear to me but, according to Harold, Joe is doing it. I was drawn to the conclusion that some jerks are more qualified and others are less qualified, with real jerks being the most qualified. There then must be at least a few jerks who are fully qualified. If we knew who they are, we could give them the title. Fully qualified jerk, FQJ. With the designation FQJ in mind, I asked a few folks in Audio Tidbits Land what special qualities and skills they thought one would need to deserve the FQJ designation. Of course, they didn't personally know anyone who qualified, especially no one in Audio Tidbits land. Nonetheless, they did have some thoughts about jerks. I have compiled their ideas here for your consideration. Collectively, they represent the current consensus on FQJ designations. To be an FQJ, one would need to behave such that at least half of the following characteristics would fairly apply to him, or her, on a frequent basis. It is possible to be a jerk now and then but fully qualified jerks are jerks frequently, with most people, and in most situations. As grandpa used to say, bad manners come from being lazy and a tad ignorant. To be a real jerk requires serious dedication. Here's the list. Give some thought to people you know who make the grade as FQJs. At the same time, give your best effort to assuring that no one has reason to think of you as an FQJ. Jerks regularly.
2: Try to intimidate.
1: Yell at people.
0: Condescend or demean. Lie. Act arrogantly. Think they are above the rules. Never praise anything or anyone. Enjoy making
2: people uncomfortable. Slam doors in pound tables. Act as if they are superior or smarter.
3: Swear and use coarse language. Show
2: disrespect. Behave rudely. Belittle people. A sexist racist.
1: Withhold critical information.
3: Use inappropriate humor.
1: Give only negative feedback. Always look out for themselves. Blow up in meetings. Start every sentence with I. Set impossible goals or deadlines for other people. Try to steal the spotlight and credit. Let others take the blame. Distrust
2: everyone. Show a lack of caring for people. Betray trust or confidence. Embarrass and humiliate others. Gossip and spread rumors.
3: Criticize constantly. Act as if others are stupid.
1: Overuse sarcasm. Take things out on others.
3: Ignore or isolate certain people.
1: Never forgive or forget.
3: Like getting even.
1: Now you know, so there you go. Hey,
3: tidbitters! Let's slip in one of Kevin McLeod's fine tunes. We'll slip it in right here if that's okay with you. He calls this getting it done and Getting it done is something we all want to do. Okay, good bitters, here we go. enjoyed it. Let's move on
2: now to the main agenda. I've been thinking a bit about leadership and about when and how leaders emerge. When I look around, leaders just seem to be there, fully developed and leading. It's nearly enough to tempt me into believing in magic. But when did those folks show up and how did they become leaders? I checked around to see what people who think about that sort of thing have to say about it. Guess what? They all have opinions but don't know for sure. There's the school of thought that says that leaders are born. The baby has leader traits and characteristics that only need maturation and appropriate socialization. In time and if the environment is right, a new leader will emerge. There's another school of thought that says that most everyone has the potential to become a leader. Whether that happens depends on situational and circumstantial factors that are somewhat unpredictable. For many people, the situation and circumstances are never quite right to bring out the leader within them. For many other folks, events and circumstances converge to make leadership more or less inevitable. The leader is the right person, with the right skills, in the right place, at the right time. I'm musing more specifically about children and leadership. It seems obvious that a child can only become a leader if he, or she, has leadership potential. I'm not exactly sure what that is but it likely is a little extra something that the child has more of than most other children. Let's call it the leadership factor. Alternatively, the child may not have more of the leadership factor than other children. Instead, he or she has the same amount but it has been nurtured and supported, cultivated and enriched, valued and rewarded. The result is that the leadership factor is more fully developed for the child than for his or her peers. For those of us who have responsibilities for children, there is an interesting challenge. We have the opportunity to support and encourage a leadership factor in each child with whom we spend time. Maybe it's something extra that a few children have or a potential that is there for most children. Either way, it's there and it's up to us to be sure that the potential is realized. Here's the problem. The only way to know for sure if a child has the leadership factor is to wait and see if he or she becomes a leader. In the meantime, though, there are some things we can and should do. We know that leaders are role models for others. They set the pace for their followers in terms of attitudes, values, and behavior. People follow the example a leader sets. Our job then. We need to help children understand that a positive, Constructive attitude is important and makes a difference to us and to how successful they will be at whatever they choose to do. We need to help children understand what's important and what really matters. What they value directly affects what they do and who they become. We also need to assure that they think about their behavior and that they behave appropriately wherever they are and with whomever they are with. Their attitudes, values, and behavior matter. Being sure they stay on the right track with all three is our job. We know that leaders are good idea generators and social facilitators. When with other people, leaders have good ideas about what to do, how to solve problems, and how to handle things that come up. Over time, others come to look to the leader for ideas and value his or her opinions. Beyond that, people are comfortable with the leader, like having him or her around, and depend on the leader to encourage and facilitate relationships, social activities, and group interaction. People are more productive and get along better when he or she is there. Our job. We need to value and encourage children's ideas, thought processes, suggestions, and perceptions. Instead of telling children what to do and how to do it, asking them what they are going to do and how they will do it encourages their development as idea generators. To the extent we can and whenever we can, we need to encourage children to tell us what they think, to use their judgment, to express their views, and to generate ideas. We also need to help them develop social facilitation skills. Here, It's important not to overlook the obvious. Speak clearly and look at people when you are talking with them. Be alert and listen when others are talking. Good manners are a must and treating everyone with respect and kindness are essential. Don't ignore anyone and make an effort to include everyone, even those people who are somewhat marginal to the group. Treat people like you want to be treated. The list goes on, but we know what it takes. We need to teach these important social elements to children and assure that their skills develop over time. Whether you make a difference for each child in terms of the leadership factor is not up to you. You will make a difference. The issue for each of us is whether the difference we make nurtures and cultivates the leadership factor in the child or dampens and eventually extinguishes whatever leadership potential the child has. Perhaps this is the key to success. Each time we interact with a child, we should ask ourselves this question. Am I encouraging or discouraging the leadership factor for the child? Right now we are always doing one or the other. Only if we consistently encourage the leadership factor in children can we be sure that we have done our job, we have done what we can do to help the child actualize
1: his, or her, leadership potential. And one more time, now you know, so there you go.
3: Okay, tidbitters, that's pretty much it for this episode of Audio Tidbits. That probably comes as no great surprise. And you're probably not totally shocked or dumbfounded to learn that I'm going to include one of Kevin McLeod's fine tunes to take us out of here. So, as Gary likes to say, do well, be well, and always make a difference to those who make a difference to you. We're out of here, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you.